Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Boom. All I got is missed calls on my line, yeah. Never seen a pick up right on time, yeah. If I don't call back, leave me alone. Please leave a message at the tone. Hey, welcome back. It's episode 141. That means 141. And this is the Missed Call Podcast. I'm Ryan Sartori. That's Colby Marchio. Colby, good to be back. Uh, we're at this point, we're just flying. We're soaring. We're almost a month back into uh, friendship and podcasting. This honeymoon phase is just wearing off quick fast. Yeah, I hate you again. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was about to say, I think I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> All the way out. We got a lot to get into. The NFL season, Ryan. Yeah. We have uh, a lot to get into <laughs> as the NFL season has the soft start has, has, has come to us. We've uh, seen some football. We'll get to that. But we're also talking today, Big Brain Book Club, Johnny Manziel, the documentary, the untold version that came out on Netflix. We'll talk about that. We have to talk about the situation unfolding with Michael Orr, the former all pro left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and the story that's it's come out about him today. Uh, we're talking Peyton Manning. We've got some Dwayne Wade stuff to get to. Uh, so a big episode and, and let's start Everybody's off. cousin Dwayne Wade. <laughs> let's start off cub with your favorite type of football preseason football. You get really into this. <laughs> the Miss Band is so facetious it hurts. <laughs> I, 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 let me just let me just kick off the show with what's grinding my gears, Ryan. Sure. Let's just let's just bust through the doors. Shoot or shoot. What is grinding my gears is I hate preseason football. I don't mm. give a flying fru about preseason football. I don't I I don't want to gamble on it. I know all the degenerates and sickos. I mean, I'm a degenerate, but. You have to be a sick animal to be like, oh, but there's so much value. I am not fucking doing research on fucking preseason football. But let me get to into what's really grinding my gears. Ryan, was it the first week of preseason football? Yes, no. Yes, it was. Okay. I should not see from valid sources, valid quotation marks, because no one's a check mark anymore and you don't know who's who. I should not see from sources that are in the biz, oh my God, this team's going to suck. Because didn't the Lions go undefeated in the preseason and then carry on to lose every game following? Well, don't forget, not- about, don't forget about the modern-day dynasty, the Baltimore Ravens. I was getting to that. 24 fucking cares? It is, it is kind of interesting that they've won. If you put won- in a legit first team, they're not keeping the streak alive. I think that it's still interesting that they've it's won 24 cool. straight it's, it's cool. It's cool preseason because games. It's cool because I forget to gamble on it every single time. But, I mean, it's kind of like the, the Undertaker staying undefeated at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? The, the Undertaker staying undefeated at WrestleMania was cool because the WWE was like, we're – this is a storyline we're willing to keep up. So, you know, they allowed it to keep happening. I mean, the same thing can be true for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, a lot less scripted, uh, depending on who you talk to in NFL. Hey, did you get the script too? Cause I think I heard they're going to lose soon. They might, they might, but uh, no preseason football, I think is fun, marginally fun, right? Because you, you spend so long without it. And it. 
No, I mean, it, I, I, I do. I think that preseason football is marginally fun. When you get the opportunity to see the starters for a little bit in each game, I think that that's fun, right? Being a Bears fan and seeing Justin Fields throw to DJ Moore, regardless of how many air yards there were, is still cool to see in the month of August. Now, it's going to be a lot more cool when the game actually matters and you have a larger data set to go off of. But I also enjoy seeing some of like the rookies that you got in the draft that you're not going to see in every game. Again, as a Bears fan, seeing somebody who I've seen a lot of good stories about, Noah Sewell, the brother of Penny Sewell, who, the linebacker out of Oregon, that, 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 <clears throat> Noah, not Penny, but you get what I'm saying. Like I got to see him play a lot on Saturday, which I thought was cool. I thought that that was a, a fun thing because I think he might have an impact on the team in the future. Cool, cool little Easter egg for you. Yeah, he used to be somebody I used to follow to try to get on this show. Really? Yeah. Uh, another thing, we would be pieces of shit if we didn't mention this. Nathan Rourke, I think that's how you say his last name. I, I need his jersey. And oh, I don't, care, I don't care if he makes the team. Is that the uh, the 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 like third or fourth string guy for Jacksonville who made yes. like a throw while being sacked? Throw of his throw of, of his everybody's life. Of his life. How did he get that off? That he, was that was a tougher throw than Eli Manning's in that uh, Super Bowl against the Patriots, the first one. Well, and even the throw, 42. I don't remember the throw being too hard for Tyree. No, no, no. The throw, I don't remember the throw being hard for Eli. The catch was difficult because that's the helmet catch. Well, he was about to get sacked and everyone was right. holding and, you know, you know all that. So yeah. the, if you didn't see the play, this Rourke fellow, not any relation to Mickey, but like he was able to Sadly. roll out and escape some would-be tacklers and came back through the pocket and was literally being tackled to the ground. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. the ring light ruined it. Uh, one of two things is about to happen. Either people are going to tune out or this entire episode is going to be striked on YouTube and it won't exist anymore. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I'm only playing, but it was a very cool play. Um, it, it, again, as, as a Bears fan, I, I would assume most of our listeners uh, listen uh, are, are Bears fans too. Valus Jones, the oldest man in the NFL needs to be cut. Uh, but like, it again, it's it's fun to have these moments to like hang your hat on and be like, this could be exciting. It adds to the hype of a season. Uh, but then you, you're right. You also have dodos and stooges who overhype situations. I can't tell you how many. Sorry, I had to get it. <laughs> I had to go away for a minute. <laughs> I can't tell you though how many people I've seen overreact to like. Well, Justin Fields had 124 yards on three throws, but I mean, how many were air yards? And he threw it behind. Seven, I, think, I think it was seven. And he threw it behind DJ Moore. DJ Moore did all the work. And even still, that's fine because that's the point. You get guys around Justin so he doesn't have to do everything. And, and then you see that type of stuff play out in other markets as well. You know, any, any place with a, a doubted QB, you're going to see you know, other talking heads, other, you know, uh, sports talk stations overreact on certain things. How about we just have fun? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad the season's back. Fall's my favorite season. We're tell not me, there yet. Tell me what's better than this, Ryan. It is Saturday morning. Should I close my uh, eyes? Close your eyes, man. Okay. Listeners do the same. It's Saturday. It's right. roughly 945. Mm -hmm. You just made breakfast. Ooh. You got the window cracked. What's There's for breakfast? 
shut the hell up. <laughs> you got the window cracked. There's a cold breeze rolling in. You mm-hmm. got shorts on because yep. it's not that cold, but yep. you got a hoodie on. Yep. And, and college game day is about to turn on. Mm-hmm. And you are going to watch football for the next 48 hours. <laughs> Uh, it is it is a, a pretty substantial feeling like that is a pretty good time to be alive is, you know, uh, watching all that going into college game day, seeing all the games and then knowing that the next day it's not over. Now you get to watch the professional the circuit and Monday night football. And like, really, if you're invested in your community's local teams, and you Ryan, could watch. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not until not until you get until October, and trust me, I know because I I uh, I work on those broadcasts, so it's a lot of fun to go. You know, you have if you're invested in your high school sports in your community, you could go Thursday night football into Friday night lights into Saturday into Sunday Monday night football, the MAC on Tuesdays, and then Wednesday is is like your Sabbath, your football Sabbath is Wednesday. So. That's right around the corner. That is nearly upon us. And the only thing we have to do is get through another couple of awful weeks of uh, the preseason. Did you watch the first episode of Hard Knocks? I don't have HBO. I do. I just I watched Hulu. It. So I'm going to have to find a new streaming service. If anyone wants to split it with me. I think, I think, I think, but just to claim it, I think Cub and I are going to split yes. the Hulu service. Uh, yes. But we're we're gonna hang our hat on that for right now. Put a pin yeah, in it. This podcast a, is doomed, so we might as well just not even do it. Yeah, put a pin in it. We'll come back to it. <laughs> uh, but I did get a chance to watch it, and mm-hmm. the entire thing was lip service to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I heard a lot of the Aaron Rodgers haters in the office just complain about how everyone's just in Aaron yeah. Rodgers. And listen, there's only so many angles that you can take to the show, right? Just, so. That's kind of, I was kind of like, I'm fine with this. I like being able to look inside the locker rooms. I like being able to see guys show off their personalities. Yeah. yeah. I do know yeah. that it's, it's obviously, you know, double checked by both the team and the league to ensure that it's fine before it actually goes out. Uh, but yes, it was a very big, like, here's Aaron Rodgers on his new team. Look how much everybody looks up to him and lauds him and loves him. Um, they brought Leif Schreiber out. He's the narrator for Hard Knocks. They brought Leif Schreiber out uh, to have like a one-on-one conversation with Aaron Rodgers because uh, years ago he said that's the only way he'd do Hard Knocks is if he got to met the, meet the voice of Hard Knocks. Um, you know what's probably keeping the, Jets, the Jets alive? Just thought of this. Sorry. Thought, just thought of this. Yeah. You know what's probably a good thing for Aaron Rodgers is to talk to his family because Zach Wilson would steal his mom like 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 that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, people forget the cougar hunter, right? No. <laughs> the, uh, the other big football story, it's actually two other big football stories that we're going to get into today. Uh, the first one we break down in a uh, segment that we'll call the big brain book club, where we didn't actually read a book, but we did watch a documentary. So we're going to discuss it as though we were in a book club <clears throat> untold Johnny Menzel, the, doc, the documentary that dropped on YouTube, uh, came out. We both watched it. We both had it was our, on came out on Netflix. Jesus we dropped Christ. this on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, 
Uh, came out. We both have thoughts. We both have opinions. Let's talk about it. All right. I will take it from here. Yeah. As a documentary connoisseur, as a guy that wants to be Would that involved, just make you a, a documenteur? <laughs> as a guy that's lifelong dream is to create a documentary, be involved in a documentary. I, for the first 45 minutes, thought this documentary is awesome. Please yep. give me more. You are, you are hitting me. You are punching me in the face with nostalgia from my high school days of where I used to not like Johnny Manziel. And then you're giving me all the stuff that I remember he did, which was unreal. Yeah. And then you're, and then it hits you how fast everything hit him in life and how I didn't, I don't remember him being, I don't remember him being in college football for like what two and a half years. It feels like, or from what I, I remember. Yes. I, I don't, I didn't <clears throat> remember him leaving school as a sophomore. Yeah. I, I didn't remember that, that storyline again. Like we were both in high school when the Johnny Menzel uh, craze was happening. So like our in-depth knowledge of sports wasn't necessarily there, but <laughs> I, I remember him taking over the sport. I remember the game against Alabama and, you know, beating the Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa. I remember those things, but I, I didn't remember him. I obviously remember him winning the Heisman as a yeah. freshman, but I didn't remember him leaving school that early. Yeah. And then you got all the crazy stories, the lie that he's from oil money and he's rich. When yeah. it was literally all his, the school benefiting every single thing he did since they joined the SEC and he was his first stepped on campus. And then Ryan, and then they get into the juiciest part of the top, which is his pro career and him falling apart in his attempts at there is his thought of committing suicide. We're right. all glad he didn't. He's still here with us. And then you have so many question marks right after, because then the documentary ends. Yeah. Well, and that, that is, that is uh, the, I think a really great brief synopsis of what all they covered and probably a proportionate ratio of time that you spent. <laughs> like there was a lot of sentences about the college career and him coming in. Yeah a sentence or two about like him being in the pros. And then the oh, I, didn't, I wasn't zooming through the second half of that documentary. No, that I, that's what I'm saying. Documentary. That's what I'm saying. I think you did. A, you spent a proportionate amount of time explaining what happened <laughs> because the, I think maybe more interesting than what happened to him in college is what happened in the, the, the fallout of his career. And then, you know, the years after where he's still in the limelight. Years. They did. They didn't tell us anything about like him coming back on the Cowboys or anything like that. And, and like, we didn't really get to see uh, the complete story of Johnny football because it, and then it ended, I thought very much like a Sopranos, uh, the end of the Sopranos where it's worse fade to black. Cause you no. know that there's more it's worse. Cause you know, there's more to the and story that they questions. didn't tell you. Yeah. So he, so he hit rock bottom. What did he do? The best, the best way to describe the best way to describe this, if you have not watched this documentary and I do not suggest you watch it at all because it's not really worth it. The best way to describe it is if you pull up the United States map and you, and you look at the West coast and you're like, okay, when somebody drew this, they're like, Oh, I got so much room to put in 50 States. And then you get to the East coast. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Or it's, you know, it's kind of like edging where you're like, this is going to be great. I can't wait to get there. And then you get there and you're like, never mind. 
<laughs> and then you don't go back. And then you don't go back to finish the job. Uh, the biggest nuggets, I think, from the documentary, uh, and the, the spoiler alert, or spoiler warning, if you if you haven't watched it and plan on it, this is where we're going to reveal the three big things that they tell you. Uh, number one, I thought it was shocking that once he got to the pros, he spent zero hours on his iPad doing film. Zero hours. That means, that, I mean, like. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how he had a, a sliver of success. Because there's just that natural football but like, instinct but like, thing Ryan, in but, him. But, but, Ryan, you go out there and you call a play, you don't know what it is. Because if you're not studying the film, which is more fun than studying the playbook, you know neither. Yeah. I, I ju- it's just shocking that, like, yeah, he wasn't just a bumbling idiot every step of the way. Excuse me. But, like, Ooh, gross. That was a burp. Yeah, that was that was 100% fueled by rain. No free ads. It is raining um, today. Yeah. Well, homonym, different thing. Um, the other big uh, piece, and we mentioned this last week, was the mental health aspect, which I didn't love the way that they edited it it in to the actual documentary because it almost framed it as like a scapegoat for Johnny Menzel for all the things that he was doing. They like kind of tucked it in at the end of like, and his mental health too. And it made it feel yeah, it like was, it was like it was a scapegoat that. thing. It, it was, it, it, it was that. And then him going, I had nowhere else to go. So I went home and then it ended and then it fucking ended. It went, I went home and then his sister started talking and she goes, he's still struggling but he's in a better place. Boom. ends. Yeah. I mean, his, uh, there was a point where his dad was like, I didn't like who he was becoming. I didn't like him at all. How do you reconcile those things? I, I went further into the catalog of untold just to see if maybe it was just bad storytelling or bad directing. They're bad. They're terrible. The Manti Teo documentary is not that bad. And they took two episodes to get through that. So you could see the, accumulation of like how we got there and the falling out after the situation occurred. I think similarly, you could have had the rise of Johnny Manziel and the the fall of Johnny Manziel and stop right at the draft. And you would have had a perfect opportunity for two episodes that everybody would have consumed like that rapidly. They would have, they would have watched both episodes. I, I think, I think I told you this needed another half hour. Yes. Yeah, definitely and an extra 30 minutes. Just a side note for the people listening. If you have yet to see the Dansbury Thrashers documentary that they did, that is their best one. They get it from start to finish. They get it done in an hour, just like they tried to do with the Johnny one. And it is, it is hands down their best one. I forgot they did the, the Manti Teo, which people forget that Heisman Trophy he won was the same year as Manti Teo. And another nugget that Ryan and I were probably going to get to is when they told uh, his friend, I forgot what the name is, that his name is that he doesn't talk to anymore. He told the press that he comes from oil money and nobody questioned anything. But, oh, Mad Titeo, his girlfriend's fake. They found that out real quick. Yeah. And uh, that therein lies some of those little issues that the NCAA consistently has is like, how come the how come we didn't question the white dude having money, but we all blew up about. This, this guy who this, this Hawaiian dude who was very much catfished and taken advantage of. Um, <laughs> speaking of his friend that was kind of 
you know, paralleling his story the entire time. And we eventually found out they don't talk anymore. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting to see just how rampant and also how easy it was for these people to get extra cash for these stars in the NCAA to get extra cash. There was probably a very loose set of rules that Johnny and his accomplice kept. And that was enough to waft the stench of whatever bad thing they were doing away from them. Um, you know, there was no way this guy wasn't making copious amounts of money on the side. They were sitting oh, courtside. Yeah. They were partying with Drake. They were getting bottle service. They were doing whatever they wanted. They were living like kings and taking flights and doing everything. Things that college football players with no deals and no extra money coming in sh- shouldn't be able to do. Hey, you know, my favorite part is that uh, that friend said he's like, we had a saying in Texas. Win or lose, we booze. That fucking dude thought he invented that phrase. Yeah, he tells everybody (laughs) that. He tells everybody that. Yo, that phrase, Johnny and I had made that. So as a whole, the Johnny Johnny Manziel documentary wasn't my favorite. I thought it I thought that they didn't do a very complete job of telling his story. I again hate the fact that they just kind of made it seem like his mental health was a scapegoat at the end. Uh, and, and, you know, some of the the press leading up to it was all about Johnny's mental health and the uh, how that quick rise to stardom at such a young age can lead to these uh, very v- violent moments, either if it's just like self-destruction or actual destruction of physical surroundings. It's still mm-hmm. violent. Uh, I think we saw just as like a, a, a juxtaposition, Justin Bieber was very similar and self-destructive in that way. And so I thought we were going to get a lot of that. I thought we were going to dive deep into the psyche of what happens to an athlete like that. And instead it really felt more like a a chronicling of events that happened in his life with some other side things in there that made you raise your eyebrows. And then an abrupt end that really didn't make much sense. Uh, I take back what I tweeted out. I think I gave it a 6.8. I'd give this a 4.3. Yeah, if it sits with you for a little bit, I like it's it's probably much easier because then you're able to chew on it and say, okay. But I also have still have this question. I also still have that question. I had Why so many. Yeah, I had so it was like okay, I barely learned anything, and then you want to skip from what 2016 to now? Like that's that's what is seven years? You're gonna skip over seven years? Be like, oh, that's good enough. Yeah, I think um, he played in the fan control football league with our friend, big Joe, ready to go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, like we said, there's a bunch left on the table that they could have gone back and done and they didn't. And that's upsetting. I think that um, another side that they explored briefly was like the way that the media criticized a 19 year old and how much pressure that can have on him. And skip Bayless was one of the first guys to watch this documentary. And, uh, completely missed the fucking point and went on uh, undisputed the next day and had this rant and eventually ended up with the line that said, Johnny Manziel looked up to me. No, he didn't like missed the fucking mark. Just (laughs) over his head. (laughs) Missed it. Talk about a guy that's had a worse year and doesn't care. He lost his co-host. He tweeted out that thing about DeMar Hamlin when he was unconscious on the field. Yeah. And I mean, uh, countless other countless things. Other things. Countless other things. Cute. He just, that was so cute. He, he, he literally has 
no filter and nobody cares because it's Skip Bayless. Oh my God, he's going to get every single eye on this. Yeah, I've said I've said on podcasts and in public before, like I don't much have respect for the that lane. I I respect the fact that like they always come. They always find a way to come up with content. They always find a way to make it engaging. But like for the most part, it's just like. Screaming into a microphone incessantly, sometimes bringing up stuff that like makes no sense. And then like if you're Skip Bayless and like you're on TV enough and have enough of these reps and this large data set of things to pull from, you end up with a situation of after watching a documentary about Johnny Menzel saying the fame almost killed him. Your biggest takeaway was Johnny Menzel looked up to me. Get the fuck it, out uh, of here. It's as someone who works in sports television. I just, for a lot of these things where people get triggered by, or like, how can they air this? I just want to be in the production meeting. Cause was it his, was it him saying, Hey, make this lower third for me. That says Johnny Manziel looked up to me and I'm going yeah. to discuss my thoughts on this or, or it could be a producer. I don't know because it I'm could. not there. It could. And like, because that's depending on the show, I'm assuming since he's so big, he's writing the content and the producer just has to kick their feet up, which some producers have that, um, that luxury, but I'm still sure that he has producers telling him, Hey, we're going to discuss this. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a weird, weird business that we work in. So watch it. Don't watch it. Untold Johnny Menzel, the documentary on Netflix. Dansbury Thrashers. And let us know what you think. You could leave your 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 comments in the comment section, uh, or you can give us a call. No, I don't know. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> you give us a call. We're, we're live. We're live on the phones right now. No. Uh, another big up. story, and this broke today, is the 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 Michael Orr story. I mean, everybody knows Michael Orr as the Blind Side. The Blind Side. The, the, the movie with Tim McGraw, Sandra Bullock. Uh, I think. Is is it? Uh, You're forgetting it? the biggest piece. Coach O is in that movie. Coach O is in that movie. So is Nick Saban. But I'm trying to remember the daughter is uh, Lily Collins, Phil Collins' daughter. Anyway, oh, uh, yes. Cool. I'm going to see Phil Collins next month. She's a Actually, nepo. no Peter Gabriel. I'm sorry, Peter. She's Gabriel. a she's a nepo baby. Um, a what? A what? Nepo a what? baby. A a, a a person born of nepotism. Famous because their parents are famous. Oh, kind of like me, kind of like me, kind of like me. No, not at all. Not not actually in the slightest. Um, Bill is famous. Bill is famous. Yes. yes. Um, (laughs) So the Michael Orr story, interesting for a lot of different reasons. Number one, um, the most interesting thing is that, wouldn't you believe it, white people are taking advantage of black people. Uh no way. Get out of here. Since what? The story, obviously everybody's seen the movie. The story goes that the Tui family adopted Michael Orr out of poverty and an awful situation and brought him into their home and let him go to high school. And you saw how close he got with the kids and they go to college and they help him go to college. Uh, turns out that the story is narrated in the uh, the perspective of the Tui family, and Michael Orr never really had an input on the movie at all. He has now got a lawsuit going against the Tui family because he has figured out now years later 
that he was never really adopted and has no rights as an adopted person by the Tui family. Rather, they tricked him into signing a conservatorship, which uh, essentially it, it takes away Michael Orr's legal rights to himself. He's Britney Spears. It is exactly a Britney Spears situation. Exactly. When everybody was saying free Britney, all that, they were trying to take Britney's father's rights away from her legal uh, uh, entity, so to speak. Leave Michael alone. Leave Michael alone. Free Michael. Now, it, it, it is one of the wildest things I've read in a hot minute. I read it today at work and... I was just like in awe reading how much the family made prior to the movie and like with the royalty percentage they get with it. And then Michael got a big old Johnny Manziel amount of film as payment. He got zilch. Yeah. So the movie, the movie made $300 million and Michael Orr saw none of that money, which I like the movie came out in 2014 and I'm surprised that it was Oh nine. Either way, if it, it could have been 09, you could be very right. But whenever the movie came out, it came out. And I'm surprised that we didn't get the lawsuit around that time because it wasn't until yeah. February of this year that Michael Orr came to knowledge that at, at, in the conservatorship, he does not have the legal right to make business deals in his name. The Tui family lied and said, well, this is a conservatorship. When he signed this, this is a conservatorship. So uh, more or less, there's there's only small discrepancies between us adopting you and you signing a conservatorship. They completely lied to him. They tricked him. They, they sold him adoption when it was the complete opposite. And then he's right. 18 when they did this. Right. He's 18. And and that was that was their their piece. Well, you're 18 years old. We can't adopt you, but we can conserve you i don't know i don't own everything you make right you can own everything you make so the the lawsuit alleges a lot of different things uh but more or less the 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 allegations are is that the tui family is a bunch of garbage folk uh, who are again you know capitalizing off of the success of of somebody's story now you were explaining to me that this is this is a story that came out years ago. Michael Orr hates the Blind Side, not oh, because he, he never made money off of it, not because yeah. he didn't make money off of it, but because of the way he was portrayed in the story. Yeah, I, I, when I was finished, I think it's like in the middle or end of that article, talks about how he hates how he was portrayed as this dumb, dumb athlete, like a dumb jock when yeah. he's not. He's He's well, someone worse, who actually did. I think. It, I think it said he did well in school. Worse than a dumb jock. I mean, there, there's the dumb jock stereotype, and like that's fine because they're lovable. They didn't portray him necessarily as that. It was more or less a, a, a dumb black man, an uneducated yeah. black man that didn't know no better, and you know they they portrayed him as you know like a, almost like a caricature. You think back to like the uh, the 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 minstrels that they used to put on in in you know. Back in the Jim Crow era, they portrayed him as one of those type of guys that they helped. They brought him in. They said, you's going to be one of us now. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and made him in their image. And like, it's, it's sad. And it's probably ethically wrong too. When you think about like 
the white savior like mantra mentality yeah. of like let us save you we have the means to do it and like celebrating that always feels weird it's yeah, like if you're gonna if you do it back, just the movie it. is all about the mom like she is the reason he's there which is incorrect she only put a roof under his head and helped him I don't know. Get the school. I don't know. I don't remember what it was said about the private school. I don't think did they pay for that private school. I don't know. I, I think it, I don't remember what it said, but um, Michael said that because of that image he was portrayed in, in that movie, it has affected him making deals in the NFL because they think he lacks intelligence and leadership. Yeah. Which it, he claims is the complete opposite of what he is. He says, I think my actions in the field and skill set speak for themselves. The uh, the quote from the story that is up at ESPN.com from Michael A. Fletcher. Great uh, article, Michael. Fantastic. Yeah, article. Oh, he did. He did great work here. Uh, but it says after the success of the blind side, however, suspicion slowly eclipsed Orr's trust of the Tuies, his lawyer said. Mike's relationship with the Tui family started to decline when he discovered that he was portrayed in the movie as unintelligent. Uh, his lawyer's name is his last name is Stranch. If that pops up here as I'm reading it, uh, their relationship continued to deteriorate as he learned that he was the only member of the family not receiving royalty checks from the movie, and it was permanently fractured when he realized he wasn't adopted and a part of the family for years. Or was chafed by how the blind side depicted him, saying it hurt his football career and clouded how people view him. He was he was uh, he has said that. Based on the film, some NFL decision makers assumed he was mentally slow or lacked leadership skills. People look at me and they say, uh, excuse me, people look at me and they take things away from me because of the movie or told ESPN in 2015. They don't really see the skills or the type of player that I am. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is you know very damaging. Not only can he sue the Tui family for all of the money that should be owed to him. He can sue them for like damages to his reputation. This is, this is a huge story. They're F U C K E D. Now that Michael finally figured it out. Yeah. I mean, all of the monies that, that came from the movie, you talk about the 300 million and uh, the, the Tui family said that they split it five ways. I don't know where the fifth way came from, but obviously the two parents got their you know, collective half so to speak two kids and the two kids got two and a half percent of the net proceeds of the movie. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. You said 300 mil, $300 million and jumping in front of it immediately today. SJ Tui, the, the little, little kid. Yeah. yeah. He went on barstool today. He he's been on the circuit today with barstool saying we didn't know any better. Well, it's not our fault. Million. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't be my fault either if I stumbled into $6 million based off of the success of somebody else. So a very interesting situation, one that we'll continue to monitor. And again, I just to loop back to it, the I think most troubling thing about it, obviously, is that somebody was willing to take advantage of another person. Right. Like completely taking all other qualifiers out of the situation. Anytime somebody feels that they have the right to take advantage of another person, it is wrong. It makes it more wrong when somebody of a higher stature tries to take advantage of somebody with a lower stature. What'd you just do? I thought that would look better. (laughs) Does it? It makes it even 
It makes it even more wrong <laughs> when somebody of a higher stature tries to take advantage of somebody uh, from a lower stature. It makes it even worse when the person of a higher stature is of white heritage and the person of lower status is of black heritage. So it just continues to kind of snowball. It's, it's very frustrating and it's also not surprising. No, I'm not surprised. It's no. just, I just feel bad that the movie affected his NFL career. That's, I mean, obviously I feel bad for the mother one, but the fact the, the movie started it all. I mean, Actually, it technically didn't, but I don't know where I'm going with this because it sounds bad when I say it out loud. I think I think Cub has reached his his maximum capacity <laughs> on the, the the Michael Orr story. No, I mean I'm just saying because he got himself there to the NFL, and right. then this movie comes out about his inspiring story that everybody loved, and then it ruins. The, the, what makes the story great of him getting there? It's ruined because they made him seem dumb. Yeah, I mean, and and he was I, awesome in the NFL. He was. I mean, he's, he's an All Pro. He was. Uh, he was a, 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 a Pro Bowler. I mean, so again, it's it's a very troubling situation. I think best probably at this point to move on, and as we get more details, we'll come back to this um, and, and cover it some more. Uh, there are some lighthearted things that happened in sports this week as well. And one of them that I'd like to bring up right now is Dwayne Wade. Everybody's favorite cousin. Is that everybody's cousin? Everybody's, everybody's cousin. favorite cousin. Dwayne Wade was inducted into basketball's hall of fame and his speech was one that moved many. And I think a lot of times what happens with hall of fame speeches is you have athletes who their entire careers, they've been trained to speak a certain way, right? There's PR people in their ears all the time saying you could say whatever you want. Just don't say anything at all. Right. That's how you get, you know, the, the, you know, me and my team, we really battled. And at the end of the day, I got my guys backs and we're out here all with one goal. We're trying to win. And like they, they answer a question by saying nothing at all. Dwayne Wade is a, Sure. Any, any athlete, right? Like, and typically that's what you get in a hall of fame speech too, is just a bunch of thank yous and my career and, th- and, and another thank you. And like Dwayne Wade is a very well-spoken man. Yeah. And throughout the course of his speech, he really did a great job. Number one of tipping his cap to one of his personal heroes, Allen Iverson and saying how big it was that he, uh, change the culture for NBA players and, and the history of the NBA and saying it was okay to wear baggy pants and cornrows and get tattoos. And at the end of the day, he set a precedent for people moving forward that who you are in the past does not make you are make you who you are in the future. If you've ever watched the Allen Iverson documentary, you know that that guy went through some really troubling times as a kid and a young adult and became a very good man by the time that he was in the NBA and became the superstar that he was the other part of this cub. I think both you and I can really uh, identify with this is that he honored his dad in a very significant way. Yes. Carry on. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just making sure, making sure, making sure you're heard. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, looks at his dad who you've said is a very handsome man. You said hey, multiple uh, times, actually come on, time out, time out. We're not going to sit here, Brian. And not say that guy is a stone cold fox. What is he? What is he? Fifty two. 
Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea. Hey, I've never thought of Dwayne Wade's hey, dad in the way that you are thinking me. about that Dwayne is a good Wade's looking dad. man. Sure. I didn't look at him. I was don't watching the video soft. of a of a son pouring his heart out to well, a, to. Well, time out. Look, Google is dead right now. Okay. This episode is my favorite. <laughs> he's gonna sit here and act like he's not a good looking dude. We're all. We're all guys here, just guys sure. and dudes. Yes, a, a very good-looking dude. He looks like a different version of Dwayne Wade. Now, I look up how old he is because I'm very curious. Dwayne Wade, dad, age. He is 66 years old. That is a good-looking 66-year-old. He is 66 years good old. Good for him. Good for him. But in this speech, uh, he, he directly addressed his dad and, you know, talked about how he always hated being called little Dwayne, but he got it. And his dad would drive him to the practices and the tournaments and showed him how to put in the hard work. And it was an awesome tip of the cap. And at the very end, he said, dad, I would very much appreciate if you got your, your, your crickety old knees up here one more time and accompanied me on stage as we get inducted into the hall of fame, talked about how much it meant to him to share the same name, to share the same values and talked about how important it was to have a father figure in his life growing up the way that his dad was there for them. So uh, Dwayne Wade did a much better job explaining how he felt about his dad than I am right now, but it was still probably the best thing that I saw this week. Yeah. I mean, ask someone that was a son of someone who is a pretty fantastic athlete. It kind of sucks sometimes. I'll tell you right now. If you did need you, me to did, tell you, I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell the story. I was going to say, did Phil ever let you win? Was your dad somebody who would let you win? Um, I, I don't, I don't know how to explain. I don't know. Cause my dad and I never played. Like we never did like basketball in the backyard. Cause he's not sure. a basketball guy. So like winning would be like, if I pinned him on my own, like wrestling wise, sure. Which, I don't think I could do that today because the human pretzel that my father is, I think he's still got it. Some in the tank. Okay. <laughs> now my father was a running back back in the day in high school. He averaged around 12 yards per carry. He was recruited wow. by Stanford and he would share snaps. So he would split series with another running back that my dad refers to as someone who was not good because the coach didn't like him for some reason. And if and that my guy's dad, name was Mike Allstott. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, my dad's way older than Mike Allstott. Um, and if my dad's personality is still the same as it was in high school, which I mean, how, I mean, that's kind of hard to say because it's right. high school. I would, if it's a sliver of it, I would assume my dad is a pretty stand up guy, even back at 17 years old. And then when I went to the same high school as my dad, guess who's still coaching there? Pretty much everybody who knows my dad. And got then it. there was one practice where I got yelled at. They're like, who's on defense special teams prep, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't sure. on that. So I'm standing on the sidelines and I don't go. And Mark, someone goes, Marshall, how come you're not getting out there? And I'm like, cause I'm not in there. They're like, how come you can't be like your dad? And then, oh, I got choked up, right? I, I was like, I don't, I don't want to be I'm not, my dad. Because I'm not my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all the other upperclassmen would come up to me later and be like, hey, Marshy, how come you can't be like your dad? You're like, shut up, guys. I was like, shut up. up. Yeah. Uh, 
No, my dad was never a, a let you win dad. He he would. He I would. mean, how can they? How can they? You should. If you think about how can you they? shouldn't let your kids win if they're like no. little bitties? Yes. But once they're able to hold their own, you should not let your kids win. That's just if, a personal belief of mine. If they can say if they get spit out a sentence, no shot, no shot. Swat that ball. But like, yeah, basketball, like my dad liked playing basketball. He would, he would get physical in basketball. I wrestled as a kid. My dad would always kick the dog shit out of me in wrestling slap boxing. You know, you slap box with your dad. He'd come over the top and get you on the, like the back of the head. And you're like, what the hell? <laughs> now, Ryan, one time when I was just starting out in football and my, I was asking my dad for help. Like, how do I run through how, somebody? Or how do I football? Yeah. Yeah. I shit you not. I shit you not. I put on my full pads in the backyard. My dad puts on his high school football helmet and says, run through me. <laughs> That's the only this way. Is, he... this, this is gridiron gang. In my dad in the backyard. That's the only way your dad could think <laughs> to said... teach you how to run through somebody. And this man tackled the shit out of me. And I think he had me tackle him. I think he had me tackle him then. All these things, though, (laughs) are the things that, like, make us better at the end of the day, right? It's these little things that, like, we'll always recall. But the reason we recall them is because for some reason they stuck with us and they made us, they made us better, right? Yeah. And so it was a culmination of all those things for Dwayne Wade when he got on the stage he was able to, you know, have the time to think back through his career, think back through his, his childhood and, and all the steps it took to get where he's at and accredited a lot of it to his dad, to his parents. Right. But like yeah. to his dad, who said, get up on this stage. We did it. We did it together. Um, did you yeah, ever yeah. have did you ever have the uh, the situation with your dad where like you hurt him? Hurt? Hurt. Yeah. Well, you hurt him. I they can't do that with Phil. So like I <laughs> used to always want to be a pitcher as a kid. And the guy I looked up to most was Kerry Wood, who, if you don't know, early yeah, earlier, yeah. was a yeah. fireballer. And so I wanted to throw a fastball just like Kerry Wood. My dad had a glove from, from 1973. A, from the 1970s that had no more padding on yeah. the hand. And yeah. so if he caught one off the knuckles, he would end the practice. That'd be the end of it. He would throw the ball back at me about as hard as I threw it at him. Uh, I would duck out of the way. <laughs> and be now, back, you, say <laughs> you say that, and then it initially brings up a story. I We were going to breakfast one day. This had to be 15 years ago. We had to, we'd be going to breakfast, and I think I gave my dad a titty twister, which... Ooh which not smart. Don't give your dad a titty twister. Cause I'm, cause I'm terrified at this time. I'm terrified of my father. How old are you? I don't, I could be 11. I could be 10. Oh it, shit. Yeah. That's prime ass kicking age. So, so <laughs> he had flip flops on, he goes to kick me in the ass and he hits the back of my shoe, I think. And he yeah. breaks his toe. Oh, so he sits in the, so we still have breakfast. He's sitting there uncomfortable with a broken toe. And motherfucking you the whole time. <laughs> him. <laughs> him. <laughs> him. <laughs> His pancakes are delicious. 
He he never got tried the orange juice yet. (laughs) He never got it checked out. He never got it checked out. He goes, I think it's still broke to this day. (laughs) That's bad shit. You know how dads are. They don't. They don't. They feel pain, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah. Did I did? Let me let me tell the listeners of a fan if they don't know who my dad is and if they if they think I'm over exaggerating with how athletic he is. This is my favorite story of my father. So I'm 14. We're, this is where I'm starting to work out because you got to build muscle when you're 14. We go to this like circuit class, which is the worst workout for a 14 year old because you're like, that's conditioning and lifting at the same time. That's literally hell. Yeah. Yes. So bef- before the class started, there were guys outside, probably in college, seniors in high school doing 40 yard dashes. My dad goes, I'm going to do that. They're getting clocked. They're getting clocked. My dad goes, I'm going to go do that. I'll be right back. No warm up. Does not warm up. The guys that are about to race go, don't you want to warm up? And my dad goes, nope. no, my dad proceeds to run a four five and beats everybody. and pulls his hamstring. <laughs> and then Ryan shit, you not still works out. What was the fastest <laughs> 40 time you were ever clocked at in high school? Uh, no, I was, Thicker in high school, so yep. the fastest I was clocked post losing all that weight was a four six four seven. I was never taught how to run. There's a lot of things athletically I was never taught to do. I never yeah. learned really how to throw a baseball. Like I can throw a baseball, but like mechanically, I never yeah. was really properly trained on how to throw anything—a baseball, a football, whatever. Like Clearly, I just kind of kept breaking your dad's knuckles, dude. My elbow today—I'm 26 years old. My elbow is shot. Like there's just so many things wrong with the way that I've thrown over the years. Um, where was I going? <laughs> you don't—you don't want to run. Ah, I was never. Yeah, I've, seen, how I've to... seen that photo of you where you posted real speed. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I was never trained how to run either. Right. It is a lot of arms. It's a lot of head like bobbing, but in high school, I took a class that required you to go through like combine type stuff where you like track your vertical at the beginning of the semester and then do it again at the end of the semester. I think it was called athletic training. Mm -hmm. And I remember I missed the day where we tracked our forties at the start of the semester, but I was there at the end of the semester and my big ass ran a seven, five. Ryan, when I was fat, I ran a five. Listen, <laughs> I've got, I've got some other physical ailments that, that hold me back. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, never tell this to anybody else. Just say, Hey, I had I just broadcast it to anybody who listens. You know what I mean? And so then when people are like, Oh, did you play football in high school? I say, yes. And now I broadcast football. Like (laughs) going back on that story with my dad running the 40, that's his favorite story. I think too, because he gets excited whenever like we remember it or he like, he's, he's the last person that will humble brag about anything. If I told him that I talked about this story in the podcast, he'd be, he looked like Larry, the lobster. He'd be so embarrassed. I remember he didn't we do an life. episode with your dad. Yes, we did an interview yeah. with my dad on Father's Day. I remember the thing that he told me afterwards is like, "You do a good job of making people feel comfortable." <laughs> thank, thank you for making. 
Thank you for making me feel comfortable. And it made your whole day. It did. Honestly, look, it's a core memory. I still hang on to this thing that Phil Marcio told me one time. I'm like, this is a huge thing for me. There's something about him that he's he's not witty, but sometimes he says something that sounds so good. You're like, God damn, that hit. He, your dad is a very endearing person. He's a very, it seems a very sincere person. Yeah. He's and I, straight I don't know that he always knows the way that he wants to say something. I'm only guessing. I'm only guessing. <laughs> and then when things come out, you're like, thank you. <laughs> so when, when we came back from Seattle, I obviously have, they, they flew back to Chicago with me, yeah. but then they had another flight. So I had to the say All-Star goodbye to them. At, yeah. Yeah. At the All-Star yeah. Game. Then I had to say goodbye to them at the airport. And I was like, I was like, I'm not sad that I'm leaving them. I'm like, I'm like, I just saw him for 10 days. I'm like, that's, that's fine. I give him a hug. Goodbye. My dad goes, it always goes by so fast, doesn't it? And then I turned around and I was crying in the airport. That's I was tough. doing, I was doing one of these. Sorry if you're, if you're listening. I was going. Oh, like you're trying to adjust the jaw. Like... <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, I can't let other people in this airport know I was Right. Or like the the open your eyes real wide and like hold the in like the out, the outside of your nose next to your tear ducts. You're just like, Dude, I'm like I was Woo. fine five minutes before this hug, and then you just had to say that. Not me. I love you guys. Yeah, but those those are important tears, right? Those are important tears. Yeah. What a what a wild freaking. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for wild route we took the end of this podcast yeah well i mean listen i mean that's but to bring it back full circle right to Dwayne wade in his hall of fame speech like again that's he he summed it all up in three minutes all these fond memories all of these like uh, uh you know affections that we have yeah. for our fathers all of us right not just you and me but anybody listening he got to sum it up on the hall of fame stage with his dad. Like what a moment, you We're know what in I mean? It together. Yeah. And he got, he got up on the stage. He's like, man, we in the hall of fame. And they shared such a, 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 a significant and unique embrace emotional moment like that. It's just very cool. Now I, I did want to add on uh, if we ever had my dad on this podcast and we won't um, my dad, <laughs> And I love him dearly. I love him so much. He's just one of those dads. Is 50% Polish, 25% German, and 25% Italian. Uh huh. But in his head, 200% Italian. He is all the way Italian, dude. It's so fucking nuts. That's the thing. It's like you got to commit to one. And usually, hey, you don't. I'll I'll give you my best dad impersonation coming up in a sec, but like he has always said, it doesn't matter what heritage your mother is only what your dad is. That's unless you're Jewish, unless you're Jewish. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Um, If you're, if your mom's Jewish, you're a hundred percent. Oh, is that true? That's how it is. So if you're, if your dad's Jewish, you're half. How does that? It's weird. It's weird. It doesn't, I took Jewish classes in college. I thought it was interesting. Okay. Hey, don't let me be the one to tell you it's wrong. Cause I have no fucking idea. But so to my dad, he's only what his dad is, which would still make him half Italian, half German. So he just throws that other half out and says, I'm a So when he would, if he were to get on this podcast, he'd be like, 
Colby, how you doing? How you doing, bud? It's good hey, to use. Is he a use? Is he a He's not guy? a use guy. He's not a use guy. He's not a Chicago Italian. He's I like use. Colby, how you how you doing, man? How you doing? It's good to see you. Good to see you. So, good, so what's this podcast stuff, huh? What are we gonna fucking do? What are we fucking talking about, huh? And it's like I if you have a conversation with him, just one on one, how are you? It's good to see you, man. How you doing? It's like where does the fucking accent come from? It's so hey, funny. my favorite thing was uh, one time. It was this was one of the times we went to Western Kentucky. You called your dad post radios, whatever you had to do. Okay, and and you called him. And he's like, "Yeah, great stuff, great stuff." That one dude fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> get, get, get him off, get him off the air. What's his problem? What's his he just problem? sits there. Yeah, my favorite. And then I think we should probably just wrap up because at this point we're just rambling. But we we covered some very dad? important things. Yeah, we covered dad? some very very important things. My favorite story about my dad. He's not very tech savvy. And he does need help remembering things sometimes like the things that are important to him really stick, but if it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't like it just it, throw it away. We were getting ready to go on a family vacation to Mexico and he had rented a big boat and he was like telling us about the vacation. And he was like, yeah, you know, I got us one of those big boats. I rented us a big, you know, one of the big boats, Ryan, what, Name a big boat. What's the name of the boats? I was like, <laughs> I said, a yacht. He was like, no, no, not a yacht. I'm like, uh, boat. <laughs> I was just naming boats. I was just trying a sailboat. What'd you get? Like, pontoon, pontoon. Uh, no. And he was like, no, it's none of them boats. And then I was with my brother. We started having a side conversation and we're in public. And he out loud goes, Siri, boats. <laughs> he goes, Siri, boats. <laughs> And I'm cackling that that's I'm cackling that that's the way that he thought to like find what kind of boat. And I shit you not, this motherfucker figured out what he was talking about. He's like, Ryan, it's a fucking it's a catamaran. A catamaran, that's the boat. I got us a big ass, big ass catamaran. I'm like, fucking good, Dad. I'm I'm happy you got us a catamaran. It was the funniest thing ever. To this day, it's something that as a family, we're all just like, hey, boats. Uh, anyway, that's my favorite dad story that I have. I'm sure I could dig up others, but I don't want to unearth all my family secrets on this podcast quite yet. Um, I am curious if you have anything else to say. Uh, who's your favorite cup of the week? Oh, cup of the week. Mike Talkman. The Sockman. I'm wearing you blue know underwear. What? I think the last time I think the last time you asked me favorite cup of yeah, the week, you I said, said Mike Talkman. Talkman. Jamer yeah. Candelario. Jamer Candelario. And I'm wearing blue underwear. It was nice seeing you guys. All right. Peace out. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for that look in the sports, Brian. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll have one final look at weather. Stay tuned.